You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of a lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Know your role and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. My name is Paul Barnett, and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast, where we explore leadership through the lens of high-performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is Slavomir Lena. Slavomir is presently the director of the Czech national ice hockey team and the union coach who leads the development of all coaches in the Czech Republic. However, he is most known as the co-head coach of the teams that won the 1996 World Cup and 1998 Olympic Winter Games in Nagano, this win being one of the greatest sporting successes in the history of the country. He has also coached in the National Hockey League in America with the Calgary Flames and Florida Panthers, in the Swedish Elite League with Lulia and Linköping, and in Germany with Dusseldorf. Slavomir is a master coach whose insight transcends ice hockey and is applicable in any endeavour where groups of people are trying to come together to produce a better outcome than they can alone. He is self-reflective, driven and passionate about using the sport of ice hockey to make a difference in the lives of young people. He has also been involved in coaching long enough to see how the craft has evolved and how it needs to remain fresh and spontaneous if it is to remain relevant. He is a legend in his own country, so it was a great privilege to interview him. And some of the key points that stayed with me afterwards were 
the role that learning and development plays in his growth as a coach, and the story he shares about heart surgeons to illustrate this. How the first task when you are trying to improve a team culture is to set up the guardrails that will shape the atmosphere in the dressing room, and that these rules must be positive and not necessarily strict. And the story he shares about winning the gold medal in 1998, and how the team did not go to the Olympics with the expectation of winning, but rather just playing good hockey proving to people that they were the best team on the planet. This was a great conversation with a master coach, and I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. And just before we go to the interview, if you're a first-time listener, you can check out our library of interviews with other great coaches at our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. And while you're there, if you'd like to help our podcast, which is fully independent and free from ads, you can follow the link to our Patreon page, where we offer exclusive content to our supporters. And now, please enjoy our interview with Slavomir Lena. You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Good morning, Mr. Slavomir Lena. Welcome to our podcast. How are you today? I'm good morning, everyone. And obviously, new day, new energy. Sun is up again, so we are ready to do what we planned. Could I start by just asking you where in the world you are today? Right now, I'm in the office of the Czech Ice Hockey Association, and we are preparing actually the manual for our yearly event. Uh, we call it Pojrad Hockey, which is let's go and play hockey. So we have to rewrite it. We are focusing and aiming towards the parents, actually, because the kids five, six years old, we need to convince the parents that this is the right sport for them to do. I'm going to talk to you later on about your uh, philosophy when it comes to coaching young people because I know that you're very passionate about it. But I'd like to start by actually asking you about your experience because you've coached all over the world, Canada, America, Sweden, Germany, and in Czech. But what do you think the great coaches do differently? Well, it's actually it's a very interesting question. Different coaches, different countries. I would say the difference is their personality. And right away, you find out what is their philosophy, what is their uh, the way of thinking about the game itself, and especially the way of communication. I see the differences among the coaches in the communication part of it, not the way they are, the drills they run, the way they coach, whether they are loud or they're quiet kind of coaches, or whether they use the different game strategies. The way they communicate to media, the way they communicate with other coaches, with the management. And when we talk about the youngest players, then the way they communicate with parents. That's beside the differences. And obviously, I've learned a lot when I was in North America for seven years as a coach in the NHL and four years in Sweden. So it's been a great lesson for me to observe the way the, the people communicate with, with others. So what defines great communication? Well, definition, I'm not a big fan of definitions because it's like an essence of what you think. But a great communicator, he's a great, first of all, great listener. He listens then he answers back. So good discussion, an open mind coach, I would say not just for the players, but for the other coaches to talk about. He's open to discuss about everything and he's eager to learn. Just like myself, I got my own opinion so I can and kind of strict opinion, but I'm always open to listen some other experiences and try to change maybe some part of my philosophy, but not everything. So in a sport like ice hockey, what is the role of the coach and what's the main difference they can make to the team? 
Well, again, it's a general question. You got coaches coaching the kids are starting to play hockey. They're five, six, seven years old. Then you got uh, junior coaches, and then you got pro coaches. So different roles. What is their role in common is to work with people, find as soon as possible what they need. They need more just to have fun, which is when you start hockey, have fun, have fun. You don't need to actually teach them how to skate right away. You teach them to roll the ball on the ice surface. You teach them how to how to move. On You can move on your knees. You don't definitely need to skate from the very beginning. So you just want them to have fun and feel comfortable. Obviously, when you come to the junior level, your goal is to convince them that they should start to work hard. They have to have their responsibility. They must have discipline. And they are right on the edge to make the pro level. And when you coach the NHL, you need to try to put all those so-called star players or really greatest players on the planet to work for the team. Obviously, you teach them still, you work on their skills, on their skating and those habits, long-term habits. But most of your major focus is to put them together. They work. Here in the Czech Republic, where I live, you're probably most famous for your involvement with the 1998 team that won the gold medal. What was so special about that team? It's probably what I've said as the last point. This is the pro level. And we were really fortunate that the team, as a coach, you can say anything you want. If the dressing room is not convinced about your strategy, about your plan, it's never worked. And the advantage for us as a coaches was that the team, they wanted. They wanted to prove that they are the best players on the planet and they can beat anybody. Obviously, we went to Nagano with the goal not to be... I would say when we come back, we would say we have done everything possible. We didn't have a gold medal plans. No way. We just wanted to play a good hockey. And we just wanted to convince everybody that we are a good team. We got good skills. And the whole management is to maximum for best results possible. We felt uh, starting with goalie and uh, defensemen and uh, all the leaders uh, up front that the team wants to do it. And we were there as a coaches to support them. As that tournament went on, and your form improved and the team got more excited and the expectation started to grow. How did you keep the team focused and not let them get ahead of themselves? You know, uh, we had a feeling when you play that round robin, you're kind of testing what you can achieve in this tournament. And even though it was the first game against Finland and the last game in the group against Russia, that suddenly we knew that we can go really, really far. And that time there was the atmosphere that I think that what I still remember that the players and the team went to the game, quarterfinal and semifinal, and the final, the end. That how to not to lose the game. We went to the we were approaching the game. How to find a way to win the game? So it was almost like we knew we we're gonna win. We just didn't know how we we're gonna win. We were so convinced that we can do it. Obviously, we were not in the before the quarterfinal game. We were not thinking about the gold medal. Not at all. But approaching the U.S. game, we just tried to look how we can beat U.S. Obviously, after the first period, it was really tough because they were just drilling us and they were just so much better. But since we started to score some goals, it was actually, we were like on the wave. It was just positive thinking and we are here to win. You started coaching way back in the 1980s. I'm interested to know how your philosophy has changed over your coaching career? Well, I'm a more and more multi-sport kind of coach and preaching that 
everybody should do some other sports, not just hockey. When I started to coach, it was natural for me because myself, I've done a lot of other sports like soccer and volleyball and tennis and the you name it, all the individual sports and team sports I've played. And it was very common that every single player, nine out of 10, played some two, three other sports. But my philosophy had to change because the last decade, a lot of players, they just play hockey. They start when they are five, six, seven years old and their moms, they drive them to the arena. They carry their bags, they tie their skates and then they skate for 15 minutes. If it's not a good coach, then he's standing in the corners for 40 minutes. So all the kid does all day long for from 24 hours, it's maybe 15 minutes moving on the ice somehow. And that's why we are preaching right now to, and we are strongly recommending all the players and the parents to let the kids through some other activities, other sports, other games, because the previous generations, there has been a lot of spontaneous movement. It was three times a week, one hour practice, maybe one game Saturday or Sunday. But other than that, uh, four, five, six, seven hours a day, every all those Jagers and Reichels and Ruchinskis and you name it, Hasheks, they've done everything on their own. I know we cannot get that back. It's not that anymore. So we are forcing our coaches to make sure that it's not just hockey. Before every practice, there should be some spontaneous game, soccer, whatever, basketball. And after the game as well, we are talking to the parents, please let your kid go through some other events in your garden, in your neighborhood. Try to organize some small groups of friends so they play soccer, mini soccer, mini basketball, whatever, or they can ride a bike. This is the biggest challenge for us right now in these days. And this is what I'm really focused. In 2010, you were appointed the union coach and you set up the famous 10 rules to advise youth coaches, managers and players on how to improve. Could you tell us about those 10 rules and how you set them up? Well, it was kind of spontaneous. Someone, they asked me, what would you think would be 10 things that Czech hockey should do to get better? If someone would have asked me the next day, probably would have been a little different and next year would be another three, four, five things. But this has been... uh, like a really base what the Czech hockey should do. And I don't really know right now. I don't have it written in front of me, but but it was like offensive minded. Uh, try to work with your defensemen. Don't play any defensive systems until you are 16, 17. Talking about the approach of the coaches, they should work to get better study. So there's been 10 different things which I felt and I still think it works right now. Nine out of 10, it's still in place. But I could name you 10 other areas where we should get better. So when you speak to people that are coaching youth and young people, what do you say to them is the most important thing they need to focus on? Recently, it's definitely their skill level, improved player's skill level. But I'm talking about the age of 13, 14, and then the minor juniors and major juniors. That's really the focus, our focus uh, these days. At the same time, uh, fun. We are missing the fun in our practices when the kids start to play. It's so much coaching, so much restrictions, so so many comments, what the kid should do, what he cannot do, where he should skate, where he cannot skate. And it comes down to who the kid should play with. We are 
teaching our coaches that let the kid decide who they want to play with. For example, they go to the same school, they sit next to each other or they are neighbors and they are friends outside hockey. Let them decide that they would love to play together hockey as well. So from the very, very beginning, our coaches, they are too strict. They say, this is a team A, this is a team B. This guy is playing forward. This guy is playing defenseman. And it's too much teaching, too much pylon skating around the pylons, uh, too many comments. Let them make their own decision. I think for our coaches, the biggest challenge is to organize the practice, which looks like it's not organized. It's like a mess. It's very spontaneous. So this is the biggest challenge to set up the spontaneous atmosphere. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You've been involved with some adult teams that have experienced great success in Canada and Sweden, just to name a couple of places. And those teams had good culture. When you read about them, the culture was described as being very high performance orientated. So when you're trying to improve a team's culture, what do you think coaches should do first? Obviously, you must set up the rules, the culture. As a coach, as a head coach, you must have very clear mind what kind of atmosphere should be in the dressing room. If you talk about the positive atmosphere, it's not like having fun and a lot of smiles and a lot of high fives. No, these are actually strict rules. And then you can be positive. So everybody knows, everybody's buying into those team rules. And it's the first thing the coach has to do. First of all, he has to pick up the right coaches for himself, assistant coaches, video coaches, and conditioning coaches. And then agree those five, six, seven coaches, they have to agree that this is our philosophy. This is the way we want to coach. This is the way we want to practice and play the games. Secondly, you have to convince the core of the team, captains, assistant captains, and the experienced guys on the team, that this is the way we want to uh, want to go. And, and obviously, you have to discuss it with the team. These days, you must discuss with the players what kind of game you expect, what kind of approach towards the every single day you expect from the players. And if the team buys into it, you have the general rules for everyone. So you are tied up as a coach and as a player. And same time, you get the same responsibility. So this is the way I think you should approach. Uh, and you can control the dressing room environment. Sometimes in the dressing room or in practice, you can have players that are disruptive, that become a negative influence on the team. How have you managed to influence or coach 
teams when that started to happen? It's in every team. In my personal experience, in actually general life and the same rules for me are in the dressing room. You get one third of the players who are really eager to learn, and work hard. They always do some extra. You have to actually slow them down. Sometimes you have to kick them out of the weightlifting room and out of the extra ice sessions. Then you get like a middle group, which is kind of leaning towards hope. This is your role as a coach. This is your role. Make them lean into the first group. Be as close as possible to that first driving group, I call them. And they got one third of the players. Somewhere it's three players. Somewhere it's five players, seven players. They are either, they think that they are too good. Or they can offer the team something else than you would expect from them. Or they are lazy. They just kind of, they come in and out and they don't have that interest. This is the group you are talking about. And among those, let's say, five players, you got one really good player who's got great skills or he's a great goal scorer or whatever. He'd be a great goaltender, but he is totally out of the picture and out of the team's philosophy. And, and obviously, it's up to you as a head coach to talk to him, show him, teach him, discuss with him whether he wants to buy into the team rules or not. And this is a, you must spend tons of hours, tons of videos with him. Be positive. Show him this is what you can do. This is what you can do better. You can do it more often. This stuff kind of turnovers, and if it's a forward or passing and pack the ball over and passing over instead of trying to shoot once in a while and being a good guy in the dressing room, it's another kind of topic. So it's up to coach, it's up to the assistant coach, it's up to the, the team leaders, the core of the team, to try to convince this guy that this is a team play. Obviously, it's different when you have a team 10 to 14 years old. You have to, you don't have other choice. You have to live with him all the way through, maybe one year, maybe four years, because you have not enough players. And you have to talk to the kids' parents that the kids should change, or even the parents should change, because they got a lot of troublemakers among the parents. And if they want to leave, you let them leave. But it could hurt you, because you might not put the team together. Different story is a pro level, when you can talk to the player, as I said, and try to convince him, show him videos, and spend hours and hours uh, discussions with him. But if it doesn't work, you just send him off. You trade him uh, or you, you not invite him uh, to the national team anymore. It's uh, a little harder. We've had other coaches talk about how parents have changed over 20, 30 years that have been coaching and that parents are a lot more demanding and vocal and involved with their children's sport. Is there any particular tips you've got on engaging with parents or even other stakeholders early when you're setting up the team? to set those rules and those foundations? The sooner you set up those rules, the better for you. Because you set up the rules once the train is already <laughs> driving the way, it's always tough. So the best is we've talked about the team philosophy or team culture. As soon as you can, you must set up the culture. And then everybody has to buy into it or you must convince the player or the parent or the sponsor that this is the way you're driving the machine. So, yeah, you can do it. It's more work. It's more time to put together, but you have to set it up as early as possible. Many of the coaches in the Czech Republic talk about you as being a mentor, and especially with your work through the union and engaging with other coaches and helping everybody improve across all sports. I'm interested to know, what are the main things other coaches want to talk to you about? Well, 
I must say, unfortunately, still a lot of coaches, they want from you experience from, let's say, other coaches or other countries. But instead of being curious, what is the environment about the mental skills, about the nutrition, about the buying into the team philosophy, they are still asking about the systems, the way that we should play the game, about the different drills, shooting, passing, drills, stuff like that, goaltending drills. So it's actually still very, very big challenge, not just for myself, but for all the coaching staff in the Czech ICA Association. Preach more about other stuff than the stuff on the ice. And what about yourself? I mean, what resources do you find useful to make sure that you keep learning and keep evolving as a coach? Well, obviously, every day I'm trying to learn and uh, to study something. And sometimes spontaneously something comes to my computer or something lands on my desk, some written material, some book. But obviously, I am following a lot of clinics, a lot of seminars. I am regularly going to leaders London or Los Angeles every year where it's fantastic what you can learn in those three days you spend there. Just an example, there's always some theme, some topic of that And for example, how to work under stress, under pressure. It's amazing how many ideas you can use in hockey from other sports, even it's soccer or American football or New Zealand rugby or, or some other team sports. And obviously from others like doctors and the pilots and the military people, it's amazing to know how important is, for example, when there is a operation of the heart it's not just a major doctor who does it but it's how important is the tense in a row the tense assistant and i think it's very valuable in hockey too if everything goes the right way everything goes well you're winning the game you're one nothing two nothing three one four two you don't need to be on the bench even just one coach is enough but when it doesn't go your way then it's important second assistant, the masseur or whoever is around the team. Same is with this surgery. If suddenly heart stops pumping and it's something's wrong, then it's very important that everybody, all those 10 or 15 people around in that cell is involved and knows. Everybody knows what to do. And everybody knows that if the plan A doesn't work, we have a plan B. Plan B doesn't work. There's a plan C, D, E, whatever. So this is what I learned a lot. And same as in military, in Americans, Afghanistan, their experience to, to listen to it. It's, it's amazing. And airports, those guys uh, working in the tower, how complicated everything could be if suddenly some small airplane jumps right into their schedule and then suddenly everything is different. So you must be really, really prepared for all those situations. So... Just an example, the leaders' seminars and clinics, those are the ones I love to visit. And then I share with my coaches. I always put the notes down and then we have our clinics, our seminars, hockey seminars, and we try to spread it out to, among our coaches. Learning, learning for me, it's, it's constant. No, it is. I think it's fundamental for everyone to keep learning. I think it's a great lesson to show people that are younger as well, that you need to keep learning throughout your life. I jump back to you. Because I think no matter if you're 25 or if you're 65 years old, today, just before this, our talk, our speech, we have a coach in Sparta Prague who is 78 years old. 
and he just finished study the license B, which is our second top level. And he was perfect. And he works with the kids five, six, seven, eight years old, those youngest ones. He's jumping on the ice under the, you know, whatever sticks. And he, he is just like he's physically and mentally, especially mentally, he's like he's 30 years old and still learning. So this is like great example that the learning never, never ends. Always some challenge in front of you. And Slavomir, if I could ask you one last question, and it's about legacy. What legacy do you want to leave as a coach? Maybe I am uh, maybe overdoing it now, but I think if you want to, if you want to do something which could eventually happen, is to be as spontaneous as possible. Try to do everything from your heart, from your stomach, from your inside, and if you love it yourself, then do it. Don't play hockey if you don't love it. Don't play hockey if you don't like it. If you're a soccer player and you have this hockey as your second and third sport, it's great. You don't need to really love it. You just do it because it's interesting, for example. But if you want to be a hockey player, if you want to be a hockey coach, you must love the game. And actually, it must be a little bit forbidden for you. You have to do everything possible so you can find a way to get on the ring get there and forget some other duties you have. You do everything possible that your passion comes through. Slava Melena, I'd like to thank you very much for your time today. It's been a wonderful discussion and I look forward to following your career and listening to more and more of the great work that you're doing with the Coaches Union here in the Czech Republic. Thank you very much, everybody, and looking forward to see you soon. Hi, everyone. It's Jim here. You've been listening to the great coach, Slavomir Lenier. Some of the other key points for me were the importance of captains and support staff in shaping the team culture and how these appointments must be the first you make when taking over a new team. The importance of spontaneity in team practice and how this helps keep training fresh and fun and wanting to leave a legacy of having done what he can from his heart in an authentic way to help people build a love for the game of ice hockey. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. Just like Clint Alabokas from the UK who said, I've been following and listening to these podcasts for some while now and I'm very impressed with the format and content and the speaker quality. The lessons that you can learn from this podcast are not just for sports coaches, but some of the lessons are applicable to a business environment too. And her Snodmeister from Germany, who kindly reviewed us saying, always worth the time invested. It's the interactions with people like this from around the world who listen, give us here at the podcast great energy. All the details on how to connect with us and other people who are interested in the leadership insights from great sports coaches are in the show notes. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. So Robert, tell the people... What's a pretendian? It's just what it sounds like, Angel. A pretend Indian. Someone who fakes being one of us? Someone who impersonates a native. 
we're talking about real scammers and con artists. There are pretendians teaching at universities, pretendians running governments, pretendians in Hollywood. On our new podcast, Pretendians, we'll tell you the incredible story of these jaw-dropping frauds. Who are they? Why do they do it? And how the heck do they keep getting away with it? Listen to Pretendians on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.